Revelations chapter number 9. What a wonderful atmosphere for the Word of God. And the Word of God is central to everything that we do. In fact, the Word of God is so central that the devil will fight you harder to read the Word and stand on the Word, obey the Word, believe the Word than he will to have you pray. So it is preeminent and without value. Revelations chapter number 9. We're going to read several verses of Scripture here. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven. Unto the earth, unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. Now that's unusual because locusts are famous in the oriental world of destroying entire nations. But they are told not to afflict any vegetation, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Verse number seven. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces, their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women. And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. Verse number 10. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon, which literally means destroyer. And I want to preach to us, talk to us for a few moments here today 
about the bottomless pit. The bottomless pit. We've already magnified the name of the Lord a bunch here today. But I wonder if we could just put our Bibles down and with all sincerity and in all hunger for the Word of God, just lift our voices together and pray. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we worship you. Come on, let's lift our voices. It's time to eat. It's time for the manna. I pray that the word of the Lord would give illumination and understanding far beyond intellect, far beyond the sophistication of society, but revelation and understanding in the knowledge of him. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hold it. Before you're seated, shake somebody's hand. There can be little question that the book of Revelation holds many mysteries and fascination for both seasoned theologians and young Bible students. This particular passage of Scripture has been a fascination of mine for many, many years. Um, And not just this one. It's not limited to just Revelation 9. There's multiplied scriptures throughout the book of Revelation and throughout the Word of God that still hold great mystery and fascination for me. But you are watching the unfolding of the beginning of judgments upon the world. There is a series or three different levels, if I could put it that way, of judgments. You have the seals, you have the trumpets, and you have the bowls or the vials. This particular passage of Scripture in Revelations chapter number 9 is the only place in some of the other places that we're going to look at here this morning where this bottomless pit is mentioned, is mentioned here in a very remarkable way. Before I get too far into that, I want to also say that with this fifth angel that sounded, there was also a sixth angel that sounded in Revelations chapter number nine. And interestingly, in Revelations Chapter 9, under the fifth angel, we have the unveiling of this bottomless pit. Some of the the creatures that are there are loosed on the human race. And then further in this chapter, there is another angel that sounds. And there is a loosening of four angels at the river Euphrates. Now, I I have wondered this, and there's probably... 
if the truth be known, there's people all over this audience here today that have also wondered about these things. But it looks like there are spirits, if you please, in, in the second uh, part in Revelations 9, it is angels. We don't know if they're good angels or they are fallen angels. The Bible just says that they are angels, but they are kept in store until this moment is unveiled uh, in Revelations chapter number 9. And so this chapter reveals to us that the spirit world is unleashed upon the human race. Going back to the bottomless pit, it is extremely interesting to me that it is found in other places. For example, in Revelations chapter number 11 and verse number 7, it says this. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Of course, that's talking about Apollyon. He is the leader of this, uh, this swarm or this horde of demon spirits. And then the Bible continues in Revelations chapter number 20. Begin reading in verse number 1 where it says... I'm waiting for my, my sound man. It was on that list. And they do a good job up there. Yes. Revelations chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. I'll just turn there while he's getting that. Listen to what the word of the Lord said. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more. Now, the reason why I wanted to go to Revelation chapter 20 is to reveal to us that the bottomless pit is... It's an actual place. It, it, it is an actual holding tank, if you please. And those are my words. But it is a holding tank here throughout the millennium. The very devil that is tormenting people all around the world and is doing his work as the prince and the power of the air will at some point be wrapped with a chain that will bind him and he will be placed into the bottomless pit until the end of the thousand years, which is known as the millennium, and he will be loosed in the earth one last time. That's very important to know because this bottomless pit, we have no record of this throughout the word of God. The closest that we can find uh, in any type of literary evidence is in Genesis chapter number one, verse number two, where it says that the world, the earth was without form and void. That word void is very close to this the, describing bottomless pit. It is, it is empty. One writer said it is a wasteland. It is empty. It, has, it is totally barren. Um, it is in a negative condition. The bottomless pit, by definition, is both unfathomable 
and depthless, which means it is not only a place, but it is a state. It is a, it is a mode of existence. It is a condition, if you please. It is a spiritual location that was designed by God for the devil and for these creepy things that come out in Revelation chapter number 9. What's incredible to me is the fact that the Bible just does not just call it a pit, which is a hole in the ground, but it calls us a bottomless pit which means that it does not have an ending. It is a continual succession of falling. And if you please, I'll just use a little bit of description here, a, a tumbling, a moving, where it is an unending downward spiral. There is no bottom to this. There's no floor to this. There's no foundation to this. It is truly a bottomless pit. few other interesting scriptures that play into this is in Luke chapter number 8, verse number 30. And Jesus asked him, saying, what is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. You remember this story. Jesus takes a boat with the disciples to the land of the Gadarenes. And there, there is a man that is filled with 12,000 spirits. And a conversation begins there. And the next verse says, and they besought him, the devils, the legion of spirits, which is 12,000. A legion was not a battalion, and it was not a 100, which would be represented by a centurion. It was 12,000 devils, and they besought Jesus that he would not command them to go into the deep. Now, you have to begin to dig for these kinds of, to begin to put a revelational understanding and decoupage of scriptures. You have to begin to dig and to begin to connect these kinds of scriptures. So here, we have no mention of the bottomless pit. We have no mention. We, we understand that there's a grave. We understand that there is Sheol. And in the New Testament, we hear the word hell. Uh, it's even used sparsely in the Old Testament. But there is no reference to a pit or the deep. But here the spirits are requesting of Jesus that when they have to go out of the man, let us go into the pigs and not into the deep. Because those spirits that are in the deep are kept until the word of God says so, till they can be released and unleashed upon the human race. And these spirits recognize that we are we enjoy tormenting people. We, we don't mind going in the pigs. Notice with me when the spirit, these spirits came out of a man, the very first thing they did was to run down. If you've got the devil in your life, you're going to go down. You're probably even depressed here today. You're probably having a hard time getting your, the corners of your mouth to smile. I rebuke that depressing spirit by the authority of the name of Jesus. When the devil is at work in somebody's life, it is down. When the Spirit of God is at work in your life, it's up. 
Let's lift our hands and lift our voices and do some of that right now. Let's remind the devil, you're not, wa- you're not welcome around here. You're not wanted around here. We're going to resist you around here. Hallelujah. So there's some other scriptures that begin to give us some illumination. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. There's many biblical expositors that believe that this particular passage of scripture is talking about angels uh, in the first insurrection, that there was an original insurrection. But regardless of what it is, they are kept in chains of darkness until the time of judgment. These scriptures have been right under our nose, but you oftentimes need a greater principle to begin to connect them like spokes on a wheel. Isaiah chapter 14, begin reading in verse number 12, which is the Old Testament famous scripture about Lucifer. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Art thou cut down to the ground? Everybody said, he's going down. What we want to do before we get out of this building today is you don't want him in your brain. You want him under your feet because he's going down. You don't want him messing with your calendar. You don't want him messing with your peace. You don't want him messing with your marriage. He's going down. Somebody clap your hands and give him real praise. Give him some praise that costs you something. Verse number 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I'm already starting to feel this all come together. He wants to go up. He wants to be up. He wants influence. He wants preeminence. He wants control. But the Bible said he's already been cut down to the earth. He said, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. How much folly is that? I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. Next verse. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. He wants to get leverage. He wants to have altitude. He wants to go up. He wants that kind of influence. Let's go to the next verse. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Clap your hands. Lift your voice. God's not going to let him get up. Don't you let him get up. Don't you let him have influence. Don't lose. Come on, somebody. You ain't going to hear this in a psychiatry class. You're going to hear this in the Word of God. You think you're going up. You think you're going to have influence. You think you're going to have position. No. You're going down to the sides of the pit, which I believe is a direct Reference to what we're talking about here this morning. And then lastly, 
in Luke chapter 10, verse number 18. And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning. What? When God gets ready to take care of the devil, how fast is a bolt of lightning? Next time you see lightning, go get the stopwatch and say, okay, honey, when you see the lightning, tell me to go. Go. It's already gone. When God gets ready to take care of the devil in your life, it won't take long. When you get tired of putting up with his mess and you get ready to get serious, it won't take long. When you get serious about really living for God and doing what that book says, it won't take long. Look at your neighbor and say, it won't take long. Let's clap our hands and give God some praise. I want to hear a thunderous praise. We're here to do some damage today. We're here to put... I'm not going down. I'm not going to get on pills. I don't need medical marijuana. I don't need to go back to the bar. I don't... So I believe that all of these demonic references are descriptions for us that let us know that this scripture in Revelation chapter 9 is full of freakish, freakish demonic spirits unseen anywhere heretofore in the entirety of the word of God. So how is this expressed in the earth? If you still have your Bible open, turn it to Romans chapter number one. We're going to park here for just a few minutes. There's a lot of biblical commentators and historians that have tried to place this as the degeneration of just a culture, but ladies and gentlemen, it goes far beyond culture. It's talking about the human race. Romans chapter number one, verses 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, what is the truth that is being referred to right there? Acts 2.38, no. There's three dimensions of truth. One dimension of truth comes through nature. It is the most organic medium whereby God reveals who he is, is through nature. Somebody says, well, you know, we're into, we're into saving the whales and aborting a child. I would say you need to be in this altar today. You're all messed up. Oh, this is going to be long. Y'all going to have to get on the same page with me like, like you know what's up today, okay? There's people that are all good about saving the whales and saving the falcons and saving all kinds of animals, but killing a baby right before it's, it's ready to be born. I would say that that is not of God. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's of the devil. 
I'm not into killing whales, but let's save the babies. They are made in the image of God. Somebody's saying, man, pastor's preaching like we're back across the street. No, I'm preaching like I'm home. This is home. We done got the devil ran out of this thing. It's time to turn it in to a one God. Devil chasing, tongue talking, monotheistic. Aisle running. Hand clapping. Okay, let me, let me get some more meat on the bone. You know, when I go and listen to other people preach, um, I kind of get annoyed with 20 minutes, 20 minutes of praise and five minutes of meat. So I'm going to try to give you more meat. Because if you'll eat meat, you'll get strong. And if you get strong, you can clap longer. This church is not known for its thin Hungarian goulashy ghoul. There's nothing worse than being invited to somebody's house and being served gruel. Actually, I don't even know what that's like, but I just thought I'd say it. The very first dimension of revelation and understanding comes through nature. And this is why this particular passage of Scripture starts out saying, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What truth? Let's read verses 19 and 20. Because that which, be, which may be made known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Look at verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. This is talking about, in physical terms, this is talking about terra firma. This is talking about being able to see uh, the stars and being able to see a mountain with uh, the white snow and the blue ocean and the, and the brook and to hear the, the birds singing. Ladies and gentlemen, if somebody tries to convince, I don't care how many degrees they have, if they try to tell you that that came from evolution, they are insane. That is exactly what I'm preaching about today. Where did that come from? That came from an angel somewhere. That came from a spirit. That's why it says in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 6, if any man or any other angel preaches another gospel unto you, let him be accursed. There's only one Lord, one faith, one gospel, one God, one baptism, one Holy Ghost. This is the truth in verse number 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, which means the creation is but a medium. It's a physical medium that reveals that there's a God behind this. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without Excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Unthankfulness 
is, is equal to unholiness, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Now, this is not a good thing. This is moving down. This is moving down, okay? Look at verse number 23. And they changed. Everybody said change. With every one of these changes that human beings do, and I want to tell you that they are not they are not on their own with coming up with this, just like Eve was not on her own. But with every change that the human race made, God removes an element of restraint. Because without the Holy Ghost, people are more animalistic than they are image of God. And people are capable of atrocities. This, this horrible thing that took place um, yesterday in Wisconsin, I want us to pray right now for all those families that lost. There was 10 people that were shot by some demon-possessed young man that went in with a gun. I want you to lift your hands right now. We're gonna pray right now. We're gonna pray for those families by the authority of the name of Jesus. There are people that are saying, where was God in all this? Why did God allow this to happen? There, God's gonna take the brunt of blame in some of this, but I'm praying for these families. God will wrap his everlasting arms around those families at such an incredible time of pain and suffering. In Jesus' name. People are animalistic. And verse 23 says, and they changed, everybody said changed, the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man. They started to deify creation. Instead of the creator that expressed himself through creation, they began to worship creation. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and creeping things. What did God do? God responded. Look at verse 24. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts. Okay, I want you to stick with me. An individual's moral compass is the most important thing that you possess as a human being outside of whatever God gives to you. The moral compass of a human being. I really believe that, I'm not gonna go too far into this, but I want to express enough of this so you understand what I'm saying. I believe that common sense is an expression of God-given morality. Ladies and gentlemen, a dog is a dog is a dog is a dog. I know that some of you, your dog is your best friend. There's sometimes I get radically upset at my wife's dog because he's getting more hugs than I am. 
but it means I just need to get in line. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? The restraint, the place of restraint, restraint that is moved by God is in the morals. That moral, God-given factor. Just like every man is given a measurement of faith. But if we do not worship God through what has already been revealed to us by God and find ourselves in idolatry, whether it's worshiping a human being or a bird, or an ox, or an eagle, or some demonic imagination, then God will respond. That's why many primitive idolatrous practices have fornication and adultery attached to them. Because idolatry and immorality go together. And so that's the first change. The first change is God revealed himself through creation, and people say, ah, that takes too much work. I'll just listen to everybody else and be a good follower, and I'll start worshiping a monkey or a tree. I'll bow before a tree with a bone in my nose, or I'll worship some great animal that I admire, some characteristic of that animal, and God responds by removing a level of moral restraint. Verse number 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Verse number 25, who changed the truth of God? In the very first example, they held the truth and then changed it. And here the Bible said they actually changed the truth. I wonder what God's going to do now. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And everybody said amen. amen. Say it loud enough so everybody can hear it. Amen. Say it loud enough so Seattle can hear it. Amen. Say it loud enough so Portland can hear it. Say it loud enough so San Francisco can hear it. Amen. Say it loud enough so everybody can hear it. Amen. That's why being in the church of the living God is a big deal. Because this is going on all around us in our culture today. But there's one place that I know I can go. That the truth of God is actually lifted high. It's lifted higher than every lie of the devil. It's lifted higher than every situation in my life. It's lifted higher from every problem in my life. The truth of the living God. That's why you need a revelation. Well, I just don't feel like coming to church today. We don't do this by feeling. 
Hallelujah. But when we come together, you recognize, man, I'm, I'm giving God the glory today. There's only but one God. The devil's going to try. Listen, listen, this is exactly what he does to me, okay? We're, in, we're still involved in a multi-million dollar building program. And if you think the devil wants me to have a good night's sleep where I can be rested, where I can comprehend all of my responsibilities and all, all of my duties and all my responsibilities and do it with a sane mind and a sound mind, you got another thing coming. He's got his whole list. He's got this going on and this going on. Somewhere you just got to say, shut up! And when I get to this house, you're not going to see your pastor sitting in that chair. You're going to say, I'm not doing that for you. I'm doing that. Devil, you thought you could. Somebody just go ahead and shout. You don't have to move one part of your body, but shout. I'm doing this because God is worthy. For all those crazy weirdos doing circles and in tie-dye shirts living in school buses. Oh, that was the 80s. Sorry. Dude, I'm not trying to put them down. We're going to win some of those people. We got, we got ex-hippies in this church. Oh, don't try to hide on me. I know right where you're at. Smoking banana peels. I know who you are. Couldn't afford the good stuff. Let me encourage you that when you come to the house of God, it's time for you to take vengeance on every lying voice, every suggestion. It's not even true. You know it's not true. Devil, I'm going to get you for that. Devil, I'm going to get you for that. Devil, I'm going to make that. Come on, I'm trying to encourage some of you. This ain't a denominational church. This is a one God, apostolic. Go ahead and give the Lord one more big shout. Give him a rock concert shout that shuts the voice of the enemy. All right, let's get back into our Bible study. Who changed every time somebody tampers with truth. God responds. Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. What did God do? Look at this, verse 26. For this cause, for this reason, God has already removed one huge moral barrier in the heart of the human race. But now it's going to go to another level. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Lesbianism preceded gay homosexuality. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the women. You know why homosexuality flourishes? It flourishes in cultures where fornication and adultery flourished. Where people began to worship pleasure. The pleasure of the human body. Greater than the pleasure that were forevermore at his right hand. 
And likewise also the men having the natural use of the, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was me. That means that what they are experiencing is the sum total. It is the very absolute outcome of being an idolater. And so if I understand this correctly, homosexuality is not a cultural pursuit of a higher life. It is the judgment of God upon a culture. When you, when you hear about gay rights and gay marriage and all this, that is not the advantage. I know that you've got some people. I'm going to talk about where their brains are. Uh, they don't even have one left is what I'm trying to say. The reason why they can advocate that and think that it's a champion for social rights is because they have lost their moral restraint. The highest form of government in this world is a theocracy where there is one God on the inside. I don't, tell any, I don't need anybody to tell me, don't look at Internet porn. I got God in me. I don't need anybody to tell me that I I don't need to be chasing somebody that's not my wife. I got a God in me. I don't need anybody telling me not to do drugs. There's a God in me. Somebody clap your hands and lift your voice. We are the highest system of culture in the earth today. It's a theocracy. Wow, you guys are... You guys are against gays. No, we're not against gays. In fact, I want them to know they're welcome to our church. But you're not going to stop me from preaching the word of God. God, didn't sit, God did not send me to Cornerstone to worry about the look on your face. God sent me to Cornerstone. You go ahead and preach and I'm going to be with you. You go ahead and dream and I'll back you up. You go ahead and put your shoulder to the plow and I'll be right there yoked with you. I want this on film. We are not against gays and lesbians. We want you to feel welcome. But honey, when you get here, I'm going to watch God cast that spirit out of you and you dance all over this platform under the power of the almighty God. Can somebody stand and clap your hands and give God the praise? You go back and tell them we love you, but God loves you more. I got a little famous story. We were over on Broadway. Long time ago. I can't even think when this was. It was a long time ago. And there was a, you know, drag queens are making a big comeback. They got, they got them in public libraries having drag queen hour. Cornerstone, if the devil can do this to people, why can't we get radical about what we have that will absolutely set people free? That will absolutely set them running and shouting like a person on fire. not against any of those people. I pray for them. 
But we're not going to leave you in that condition. <laughs> well, I was born this way. You must be born again. Come on, it's that simple, ladies and gentlemen. We want, some big, we, we want some new convert to go out and win all the people. No, God will be with you, and God will work in you, and God will. This guy came to our church. He was a transvestite. He told me, he said, I'm, I was voted number one drag queen of Seattle two years in a row. And he was such a nice guy. You know, gay people do not have fangs and breathe fire. They might just need somebody to be in the Holy Ghost and have a conversation with them. Let's lift our hands right now and pray. Because we got to have a revival. And I don't care where it comes from. Under bridges. Come on, somebody, lift your hands. God's wanting to save this whole world. There's not one person anywhere in this world that it should have to go into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. He said, I want to be saved. I got AIDS. I said, well, you came to the right place. He sat through that service. He was the first one in the altar. There's some people in this congregation here this afternoon that remember this exact story that I'm telling you. He was the first guy in the altar, repented of his sins with tears streaming down his face, got baptized in Jesus' name. The minute he came out of that water, he was speaking in tongues like a Chinaman. And I'm not trying to be, I shouldn't have said that, but he was just, he was speaking in other tongues. Our church went nuts. Our church, for the first time, somebody in our church said, wow, God's more powerful than the devil. I've come to this place in the 21st century to send a warning to this region that God's bigger and more powerful and more glorious and more wonderful than any sin you can dream up. Come on, brothers, help me shout. Come on, sister, help me shout. Homosexuality is the direct result of God removing moral restraint. This is not just a culture being described. This is the entirety of the human race being described here. Verse number 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, even a fallen human being has a residual of the image of God in them to varying degrees. But when moral restraint has been removed, and they begin, they plunge themselves into that demonic form of immorality that they don't want to retain any shred of God in their minds. 
I don't want anybody telling me what I'm doing is wrong. I don't want anybody quoting the Bible. I don't want anybody saying anything about God. Okay, 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 okay. How did God respond to that? And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. A mind that is void. Like the bottomless pit. Void of any moral judgment. This is the world that you and I live in. God responds by turning them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not right. Verse 29, this is the characteristics of people that have become reprobate. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable. That means they won't make peace. Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And that means that you may not be doing the same thing they're doing, but you still are connected. Some of you guys that are on social media, God is drawing the connection between you and those that are in that group. I'd be very careful who some of you are hooked up with in social media because you're letting the devil know, I'm, I still got a little part of me. Oh, pastor, I I beg your pardon. I'm called to do this. I beg your pardon. God called me to do this. You better get that out or there's going to be a blank place in that pew. There's going to be a blank place in that choir. There's going to be a blank place in the prayer room. There's going to be a blank place in your home. Come on, mom and dad. I beg your pardon. This is what's going on in our world. Let's lift our hands and just, let's just pray. My God, can it get any worse than this? Yes. We're getting ready to talk about it. But we need God. I want to make a difference, God. You've, you've saved me. In the 21st century for such a time as this. You've allowed me to be in the kingdom for such a time as this. What do I do about it? I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed with this. Just let God be God. Just let God be God. I do not want to ever hear of a member of this church being rude or unkind to a person that's in these kind of sins. I'm not saying give them a holy kiss. Just be friendly. One time, years ago, we were in the building program across the street. And I was on a 
run to go get a bunch of fast food for the guys working at the church. And I could just hear them in my mind, hurry, pastor, hurry, pastor. I had to go cash a check. What was the name of the bank? I think it was Chase. Stood in line. About five people in this line. Finally, my good old apostolic impatience kicked in. What's going on up there? My goodness, only five people up there. Come on, man. Two people at the teller window. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to buy these guys dinner, much less lunch. Come on. I finally got up to the window. I was in that line at least 20 minutes. I finally got up to the window. I said, and somebody else was coaching this person, and I finally made the wisecrack. I said, must be your first day, huh? Yes, sir, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just learning how to do all this stuff. I immediately felt lower than a snake's belly in a wagon wheel rut in West Texas. That's how low I felt right there. So I gathered up the money and got in the church van. I got about 200 yards from that bank. And the Spirit of God spoke to your pastor and said, could you witness to him if you saw him in the supermarket? Do you remember those old Scooby-Doo cartoons? Honey, I was on two wheels. I don't need God to tell me twice. Because I want revival more than I can. I'll stand in that bank all day if it means I can win a soul. And so I got, I got back in that line. I, I got up. I came back to the window. And he said, you're back, huh? And I said, listen. I said, I want to apologize for being kind of short, just being rude. So please forgive me. He said, man, don't even worry about it. Because what happens if he ever gets hungry for God? Some of you need to start thinking about this because you can't treat people any way you want to treat them because they may, they may be hungry for God. They may be weeping in the middle of the night and they think that you're, you, you got all this attitude and you got all this issue against them. No, 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 no. I ain't got no attitude. I ain't got no issue. You just come on. You need a ride, we'll get you. You want a cheeseburger? Somebody! You want real blessing? You walk in that and see what God will do. Clap your hands and give him praise. I'm almost done. So we have a culture that has no moral restraint. We have a culture that is telling us that they're born this way. Lady Gaga wrote a song called I Was Born This Way. Katy Perry sang a song called I Kissed a Girl. It's filled with our culture. It's, 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 it's so permeated in our culture. It's in the schools. It, you have schools now that are, that, are, that are saying, don't tell your parents, but let me talk to you about this over here. Ladies and gentlemen, it's happening right in the day and the hour that you and I are alive. But I want to tell you, this bottomless pit, I believe, has already been opened. And there are perversions and creatures that have been kept in store 
for the day and the hour in which we live. Revelations chapter 9, verse number 7. And the shapes of the locusts. Now, you have to understand the imagery of the book of Revelation. You have John the Revelator that is using imagery that is confined to the first century to describe something that may not be even revealed till now. I'm not asking us to question that. I'm just saying to keep that in mind. Keep that as an interpretational understanding. It means they could fly. And the shapes of the locusts were under horses prepared unto battle and on their heads were, as it were, crowns, crowns like unto gold. And their faces as the faces of men, verse 8. And they had the hair of a woman. The face of a man and the hair of a woman. Caitlyn Jenner. The assistant secretary to the Department of Health under the Joe Biden administration. Rachel Levine, who was born Richard Levine. Caitlyn Jenner was born Bruce Jenner. That is an Olympic gold medalist. I was born wrong. While the gays and the lesbians were born this way, transgenderism is sweeping this world. In fact, the gays and the lesbians are upset that transgenderism has stolen the narrative. And they're saying, I was born wrong. You must be born again! The greatest revival that is coming to this world now is. But you've got to go down in the name of Jesus and you've got to come up in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands. Somebody lift your voice. Somebody give God the praise. God's got you and I right where he wants us in the 21st century. We're on the, not on the backside of Nowheresville. We're right in the middle of revival because we're going to proclaim this truth higher than a mountain and farther than the sea. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. There's hope. There's hope if you're gay. There's hope if you're a lesbian. There's hope if you're transgender. There's hope if you're all messed up. There's hope if you're confused. The bottomless pit. What else? is in there that will torment the human race that is unsealed. The Bible says in the book of Romans, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2, that we were sealed when we received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so this is meant to torment culture that is unsealed. But in every one of these progressions, it's down. It's down. Until mankind is now 
on equal footing with these weird, indescribable spirits that are coming out of an eternal holding tank for such a time. It says, Pastor, you're scaring the children. I'm sorry. Go home and give them a Bible study. They were born in this hour. I would. That's why we got young men preaching on Tuesday night. We're here for people to have steady steps, square your shoulders, know who you are, know who God is, know who the devil is. You're indestructible until God is done with you. I've got that revelation, and we are indestructible. Clap your hands and lift your voice and give God the praise. You're here to do a difference. Down, 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 down. The more spiritual activity in a person's life, the more down, 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 down. You see those pictures of the meth addicts? Before and after, you see somebody that was a cheerleader and they got hooked on meth and five years later, they're unrecognizable. They, they're barely hanging on. Their face is all pocked and, they, and they're now, they're just skin and bones. They've lost teeth. It's just down, down, down. But I'm going to tell you what, there's people all over this congregation. It's time to turn this bus around. When you walk with God and you get a revelation of truth, you just stop the downward momentum and now you're on your way to go up. Come on, those of you that were on the way down or on the bottom, but now you're on the way to the top, I'd stand to my feet and lift my voice and give God praise. When I could just remain standing, when I come into this house on a Sunday and I just even get to thinking and I remember the pit in which I was dug, I said, devil, you watch me. You watch how far I've come up. I'm still going to run. I'm still going to shout. I'm still going to pray. I'm still going to fast. Come on, some of you. Let's take a little vengeance on the devil right now. Go ahead and shout. I can still remember the pit that he found me in. I still remember the sexual mess that I was in. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout right now. Let's just have a little praise break. It's under the blood, and you're on your way up. Just remain standing. If you're watching this on live stream, some of us need to get out of bed and get up, quit being puffed up, grow up, stand up, and show up. I like that so much, I'm going to say it again. Some of us need to get out of bed and get up. Get dressed and show up. Stand up. I'm not down anymore, Brother Anderson. I'm up. Somebody clap your hand. Somebody lift your voice. When I remember what the devil tried to do to me, when I remember the devil tried to get me to pull the trigger, when I remember the devil tried to... 
Don't let them run by themselves. Don't let them celebrate by themselves. Somebody needs to run with them. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Just do something. I'm not down anymore. I'm up. Come on. I'm not on welfare welfare anymore. I'm up. I'm not lying to the government anymore. I'm up. I'm not having to beg and steal. I'm up. I'm not having to be on drugs. I'm up. Some of us need to wake up and then get up and then stand up and get prayed up and get your act together so you can be ready to get caught up. Don't look at me and say, what's up? Lift your hands. Lift your voice. God's in control. God's here to pull you out of that pit. God's here to pull you out of that depth. God's here to pull you out of that sin. God's here to pull you out of the bottom. God's going to get glory in doing it. He wants to do it. In the bottom, in the midst of a bottomless pit, There is a church that still believes that God can change anybody. Let's lift our hands and just pray. I'm done. I'm wore out. I gave it everything. I wonder if there's somebody on the sound of my voice that the devil has been convincing you to go lower. I'm asking the musicians to come. I wonder if there's somebody under the sign of my voice that you're tired being addicted. You're tired being codependent. You're tired being this. You're tired being that. I'm going to tell you, God will liberate you. God will set you free in the midst of everything going down. God will bring you up. God will take you up. There's an interesting scripture. It's not... It's not on my list, but I read it this morning in Revelation chapter number 12. The Bible said that Satan is finally kicked out of heaven, and he goes down, but he's going down to earth. And somewhere from actually leaving heaven to getting to earth, he runs into a group of people. And this group of people said one thing, and they overcame him. It's almost like the devil is having to leave heaven, and he's looking at people like you and I, and he's looking at some of you. He says, what are you doing here? I was the one to put those thoughts in your brain, and you're the one that did them. What are you doing here? What are you... What's your wife doing here? What what are you doing here? It's almost like the devil, right before he gets evicted, he's looking at a group of people saying, what are you doing here? And I can see them with one voice say, we overcame by 
by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not going down anymore. I'm going up. Lift your hands higher than every lie of the devil and lift your voice and give him praise. I'm not going down. I'm going up. Come on, this altar's open. Bring somebody by the hand. Somebody that doesn't have the victory. They're always down. They're always depressed. They're always negative. They're always bitter. They're always thinking the worst. They're always thinking the worst things that can happen. This altar call is for you. Everybody in this church, come on down into this altar right now. Let's sing a song. And somebody, they overcame him by the blood and by the word of their testimony. I'm glad I didn't give up. I'm glad I didn't throw in the towel. I'm glad I didn't listen to the devil. I'm glad I didn't backslide. I'm glad I didn't go any farther back. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad. Lift your hand to give him praise. Let's lift our hands. Come on, God's in this altar right now. Cornerstone, come and help us pray. Cornerstone, come and find somebody and begin to pray. You may never know how the footing that they're on may be so flimsy right now, but God is here to strengthen. God is here to embolden. God is here to pick them up, set them on a rock to stay.